Welcome to Newborn to Teen and Everything in Between, the podcast from Bespoke Family. I'm Bex. And I'm Claire. Thanks for joining us as we tackle the ups and downs of life with children, helping you to get the best out of your time together. No rules, no judgment, just guidance. So grab a cuppa and let's get started with today's episode. So today we are talking to Vicky Silverthorne. Hello, Vicky. Hello, thanks for having me. That's our absolute pleasure. And um, just to introduce you, Vicky is a professional organiser, which I feel like we all need in our lives. Um, and obviously you've got an amazing business, You Need a Vicky, on Instagram, mm-hmm. as well as being an Amazon bestseller with your book. Yeah, when it first came out. Yeah. That's amazing. So start with the sock drawer, is that right? Yeah, start with your sock start drawer. With your Very sock. cute, isn't it? This is brilliant. I love it. <laughs> My sock drawer definitely needs some TLC, that's for sure. Um, but all that said, that isn't actually the subject of our episode, is it? So today we're going to be talking to Vicky about her decision to adopt um, and what life is like with your gorgeous little girl just kind of to set the scene just a little bit just to say that we won't be referring to Tippy by her real name we'll we'll be referring to as Tippy um which we just love as a nickname it's so cute um and also won't be mentioning any timings or anything like that so so i think probably just starting at the beginning um and around your decision to have a child in the first place what kind of led you to want to have children in the first place was it an overwhelming like hormonal I need to have children you know that kind of because I know for me having children that was my kind of trigger that was I've got to have children um or was it something else um I I I like this question it's an interesting one for me to actually speak out because I'm kind of exploring it as I say it even um but I definitely wanted children from a young age Um, And I never saw that as not happening or not being easy to happen, uh, to to make happen. But, you know, as I approached my mid-30s and then late-30s, I hadn't met anyone, you know, not for any, like, wow reason. I just simply hadn't met, met a guy that I'd, you know, seen me living the rest of my life with. And I knew I would regret not having children. And that was really more than an overwhelming hormonal surge. <laughs> um, it was I knew I'd regret it. But I'd been by myself for so long. I just didn't also know if it was definitely going to be the right decision. Because how do you until, not it's too late, but you know, until you've done it. Um, and then I, I, it's strange actually, when I researched adoption the time that I actually went forward and went to an evening as I searched through my emails I'd made an initial inquiry about two years before then and found all of the emails and it was just a subject that wouldn't go away it wouldn't leave me I can only describe it it wouldn't leave my body it wouldn't leave my mind I think deep down I kind of knew it was my path um, but saying that, I felt I owed my, it to myself to explore other routes. So I looked into uh, the donor route. 
And I actually had uh, a friend of mine's son who was in his late 40s, kind of lined up and ready to go. Lovely guy. I mean, it would have been lovely. I mean, not ready, to, I mean, like to do in an IVF way, but not like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it wasn't yeah. like waiting there next door or something. But, <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, he said yes, we were about to sort of like book appointments and, you know, do it all professionally. And, um, but then I thought I'm going to go to this adoption evening and I booked it in and I didn't tell a soul and I went by myself and I really wanted to go by myself it was my thing and I went into the talk came out of the talk you know two hours later and I had the a hundred percent feeling that I knew I was going to be a mum and I was going to be a mum for adoption and I got in my car and I remember my hands on the steering wheel getting really emotional and thinking, oh, my God, this is it. This is how I'm going to become a mum. And I hadn't had that with the feeling of donor. Um, there's no wrong or right for anyone, is there? There's just that feeling. And for me, this was it. So, you know, he was fine about not going ahead. <laughs> he was like, oh, OK. <laughs> um, but he hadn't really wanted to be a dad anyway. You know, it was all a bit confusing. Um and I, I just knew, and it was it was honestly like the best feeling. I can only imagine, and I say to people, maybe it's like the feeling when you see that that pregnancy test is positive and you've you know, been waiting for it. But for me, that was like my, okay, I'm on the countdown. Today's day one. That is it. So I ordered this notebook, and I got written on the front our story. And love a notebook, Vicky. Love, love a notebook. <laughs> our story, and this was going to be my future child's book from day one. So I wrote about that evening, and that was the start of my journey. That that was literally the start of my adoption journey. It was, it was the best, the most amazing oh, thing wow. ever. Yeah. Did you know anybody that had adopted already? Do you know the strangest, strangest thing is... I didn't really think I did or think about it much at all. And then I was in adoption training, you know, like a year later or something. And they they, they asked around the room, Do you, does anybody know anyone that's, you know, adopted or is there, does anyone have any links to adoption? And I just sort of sat there waiting for people to answer. And it was like a slap in the face moment. My uncle was adopted. You know, my, my grandparents took my, my uncle in from a slightly strange situation, but they did. My mum was sent to live away from her family in uh, in another country and came to the UK, again, lived with distant family, but a form of adoption, not, not you know, paper, but mm. I was like, okay, yeah, that's been in my life for the last 40 years. But, but and, and this was a, def- a really important thing, because it had been my norm forever, I hadn't even thought about it, you know. And, and, and that's really important when we, we go down the line and actually talk about, you know, my daughter in adoption of how important it is to make it part of your everyday life from day one. Because I just didn't click. I just didn't click until that moment sitting there on that chair in a group of people. I was like, oh, my God, I didn't, I didn't think of it. I just wondered if you'd known somebody, which was why it made you think of adoption in the first place. Because, you know, that it, 
I suppose if you want children, you think of all of the different options, don't you? Of, yeah. of how you how it would happen. I don't. But did I know anyone? Perhaps subconsciously, it was. Yeah, definitely. I think it was in me subconsciously. It must have been. Mm. It must have been. Do you know what I, my dad said to me when I when I told him? I said I've been to this evening and this is what I'm doing. I said, "How do you feel about that?" And he said, um, "Well, it doesn't surprise me." And I said, "Really?" And he said been talking about it for about 20 years and I said have I you used to say it to me when you were about 20 25 that you were going to adopt your first child and I was oh my god isn't it strange what you like and then, then it all comes isn't together it? what you're doing if it's not rude Vicky how how old were you or how old are you so I'm wow. 40, oh god I always forget I'm 42 I'm, okay I'm 42. I'm 42 I'm 42 um so yeah. I started the process, which I can say in 2018, the very end of 2018. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I would have been 38. Yeah, 38. (laughs) I've got friends who have adopted and they were older parents. And so that's why they decided to go down or an older parent in a very similar way to you. Yeah. This, um, you know, um, not not co-parenting, a sole yeah. parent yeah. Um, they did the same thing but their decision was driven very much by their age I think yeah I think um, now I've unraveled things a bit more now it's all gone through and I feel safe I have my beautiful child and um, I think there's definitely for me a slight fear of pregnancy I have to say my mum struggled very much she had two um, she had a miscarriage and then she had two um one stillborn very late on and then she had another baby who she gave birth to and then she passed away a couple of days later um and that was quite a big part of my childhood in a way that it was talked about quite a lot it affected my my mum very much um and I now I do now believe that there might have been a bit of an imprint in me um you know, some would argue we should have dealt with that. Maybe then you would have wanted, but I don't see adoption as a booby prize. It wasn't a last resort for me. Adoption was my choice, my my number one choice, because I could have done other things. I could have got pregnant. I could have, but I, you know, I'm happy with my decision. Best decision I have made. And again, important for anyone thinking about different ways of having children. It's not the booby prize, and sometimes I think it is almost thought of as a just a last resort wasn't my last resort my first choice and I think also it's recognizing that there's so many children who need that kind of forever home yeah and those parents and everyone else and you see it first on when you go through the process as well you see it firsthand you know I went to an open day an adoption Mm. open day um I think I'd been approved to sort of you know start looking start matching um and it had been a, a few months had passed. And, you know, you do get to that point where you think, oh, well, is it ever going to happen for me? Or, you know, you get quite impatient because you're approved, you're ready to go. Um, and I went to this day and I, I was crying as I was walking up to the gates of where it was taking place. I just couldn't handle it. I knew what I was going to see. And it's such a, you know, head-on moment. Um, and then I went through and I sat down um, and you get... a leaflet of all the children who are going to be there that day and a little bit about them yeah and 
I was crying. <laughs> I went into the toilets. I didn't want anyone to see me crying, but I was. I was crying. And then you meet the children. And there's one area for the slightly older children and one area for the slightly younger children. You know, and, and a lot of them have, have, have been through, a lot of them, the majority of wow. them have been through so much already in their short lives. And that's the sad truth, really, about adoption is children aren't, it's not a case of, you know, all the, the birth mothers are sort of very young and that that's why the children are, are given up, relinquished. That's not the case anymore. You know, the majority of the children in care waiting to be adopted or fostered um, have had to be taken away from their parents. And it's a lot of... Um, it's not just, you know, a, a quick decision. That, that A lot has gone into making that decision that, yes, that child's going to be taken away and then, yes, that child is going to be put up for adoption and here's the adoption order. Um, it's a huge thing. So you know as you're looking at these unbelievable little faces that they've, you know, the majority of them have gone through a lot, a lot. So what is the actual kind of adoption process? Because I think... It's probably people talk about adopting. I've got friends who have been adopted and things like that, but I have never kind of seen the whole kind of process. So, how do you went to kind of your initial meeting and then what happens from there? How do you find out about the meeting in the first place? I mean, who organizes the meeting? I I didn't actually find it that easy, I have to say, and I think that needs to be looked at. I still find it really confusing. Um, there's agencies or there's local authorities, but are the agencies attached to the local authorities? Or it, That bit I found confusing. I decided to go local authority because um, I looked on a few forums, or forums, are still called forums, like, you know, I've, I've researched and researched and researched online. So I decided to go local authority, um, which means that you go to the talk the next step is you express interest which is literally a form you're just filling your details in and that that is like go kind of thing you express interest um and some people go through agencies and there are many many agencies i didn't know what the benefit of that was and it was, again i found that initial bit very confusing um and I, and I still kind of do and i'm not sure how much advice i could offer with that first bit however what I was told during the process was if you go through your local authority, that's where the children are coming to first and foremost. So the social workers that you're working with, they are sort of knowing and, and you know, sort of receiving the children first. And then there's the agencies. But I still found it confusing. Um, so, yeah, you go to the initial meeting. You then express interest, which is a form literally giving your details. The next thing is you get contacted by a social worker um, and you kind of get the heads up on what will happen next, which is a long, long process of visits from the social worker. You go through an adoption medical assessment um, with your doctor. You fill in a ton of forms, dates like going way back to your childhood, talking about the way you were parented, how would you parent differently, why would you? Have you ever had therapy? What was that therapy about? Have you ever suffered from anxiety? Anything else we should know that's really important? And you really break down now. I'm sure a lot of people find it quite intrusive, and and I think that's a word that's used when it comes to the adoption process. 
However, I actually found it a really useful, uh, not project, a really useful thing to do for my mental health and for my well-being and just looking at my life. I found it absolutely fascinating. And the thing is, I knew I had nothing to hide. I know I could be. I knew I could be a good mum. And I was shocked when they said, you know, if you've had therapy or, or, you know, gone through that, it's not a bad thing because it shows that you've had a problem and you've then learned how to deal with it and gone down the route that you've gone down. And then you can tell us the positives of that. So I was well aware. I was like, oh, yeah, God, I had therapy and I had anxiety, you know, and I could be open about that. But it also shows that you reach out for help if you need it and ultimately as a parent that is one of the key things that you need to do isn't it you have to reach out to people for support and so if it shows that you were doing that prior to having children then actually that can only be a benefit I suppose the fact it it took so long as well is also good because it means that people actually get time rather than it just being a very quick process people get time to really explore in themselves whether this is what they want to do a hundred percent you know yeah yeah and then the amount of forms to fill in and the amount of questions you do get asked about yourself and the amount of waiting time you know and you know your house gets looked at and you know there can't be a wire out of place you know you know, even before your child, you're, you're matched with your child or you know you know who you're going to meet, you know who your child is. You've put, you know, the door locks on your cupboards and, you know, everything had a corner cover on it. You know, it's quite when you're getting a bedroom ready and you don't, you don't know who for, oh. or, you know, is it still going to happen? But it, it was very strange because, you know, you we have been sort of, not groomed, but kind of groomed, this is the way you have children. You, you'll do this, you'll meet someone and then you'll get pregnant and then you'll do this and all that goes out of the window um, and, and there was for me also I, I definitely think since and you know although I had that fear of pregnancy there is a mourning period there's definitely a grieving period and a very strange relationship you start to have with your body and each month and knowing that all, you know, a big part of my life that's how I, you know, that's how you have children. Um, and I don't know if I could have had children like that. Who, who knows? But knowing that I'm not going to now in that way, whereas it was a dream of mine when I was younger, you know, I'd be pregnant and to look at the Argos catalogue of all the baby pictures and knowing that I'm not going <laughs> to remember the Argos catalogue, um, knowing that I'm not going to do that, you know, it, it's a long-lasting thing I have to say it 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 not completely left yet it's quite an emotional thing that I think about quite a lot you know when you look at your body or like I say sort of every month like it's it's I haven't quite grasped that yet I haven't quite got my head around that yet but I do feel like it's quite an important thing to sort of discuss because just because it wasn't that I did adoption because I couldn't have children or there's still this relationship that's never spoken about when you choose to adopt and your body isn't going to go through that ever it's quite it's quite strange and did you find that going through the adoption process as a single person Mm -hmm. is that different to kind of the couple scenario because I assume there's groups 
of people that you're in these classes with yeah so you then go so you go to this training week which again I was really looking forward to you know I was like in in this I'm in this um and it was a big circle of people and it, it was mostly couples um you know, mostly couples of man and a woman, a man and a woman, man and a woman. And then there were two guys who I immediately bonded with who, you know, on the second day, I'd eaten lunch for the by myself on the first day, which I'm used to and fine with. But the second day, they were like, you're coming with us. Oh. You know, and they bought me an ice cream oh. and I'm still friends with them to this day. And they've gone through the Doctor and Pro. They adopted a little boy and they're ace and they're amazing. Um, and there was one other amazing, inspirational um girl who'd had her own child but then was adopting a child she'd fostered she was so young she was amazing absolutely amazing but I think other than that I was the only yeah it's like solo completely solo so when you say solo that's different to single so why explain that yeah yeah I feel like it's really important to explain this actually so I'm often described as a single mum, which would imply that, number one, I get financial help from someone. Number two, I get every other weekend potentially or some time off being a mum. And I'm I'm not a a single mum. I'm a a solo mum, so there is no financial help. There is no every other weekend off or once a month or anything. Um, and then there is that, not that person who you can pick up the phone to and have that mutual, you know, um, you know, child to talk about or, or, mm. or have that moral support, emotional support. Um, and, and so it's very different, um, you know, and a lot of people will say, oh, you know, oh, I'm like a, I'm, I'm like a solo mum, my husband's a, or a single mum and my husband's at work all the time. And, you know, it, it's so different to that. It is, it is so, so different to that. There is no one putting the bins out for you, making a cup of tea, saying, is everything all right? How was your day? Um, there's zero, and certainly zero financial help. Um, and I think, yeah, I think we need to start using that, you know, wording, wording properly. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you know, because there are a lot more solo mums than there, than there, you know, were maybe sort of 10, 20 years ago. And, um yeah, it's it feels quite important to me. I don't know why. Well, lots of people are choosing to have children, aren't they? Yeah. As solo people, <laughs> you absolutely. Know, so, yeah, yeah, mums, dads, absolutely. Mm. And so, how was that approached? Was it approached any differently through the adoption process? Was that recognised for you that you were a solo parent? If you're going as a couple to do it, there's all the forms from both of your sides and all of those sorts of things. Whereas when it's just you, is there any difference in that? Or is it kind of the same process? Just It's interesting. I actually said to the social workers right at the beginning, it might have actually, not at the beginning, it might have been actually in the training. I said, will I be, not scrutinised, will I be treated very differently because I am going to be a solo mum? Will it take me longer? to match, you know, the matching process or who you allow me to match with. And and they said, honestly, uh, yes, it will be different because when you're a solo parent, you have to prove that you have 
a massive support um and and that's what i had to that's what i had to do you know and you know people vouch for you when you adopt you know whoever you are you're a couple or or single solo um but yeah you do you have to prove that support a little bit more and actually if i'm honest i think i was a bit naive with the whole support thing <laughs> um you know everyone has their lives everyone has their busy lives and you know the biggest advice i could give though is if you know anyone who's going to adopt and adopt solo or have a child solo don't give them false promises <laughs> don't give them the whole we'll be there at the drop of the hat oh they can come and spend the day there. like if you don't really think about whether you can do that if you're capable of that and and if that's something that is going to happen because when you are in that headspace and you're adopting you 100% rely on that you you make that part of your equation when you're out the other side you know that's going to be there so it's got to be a really honest you know there's got to be some really honest conversations not just sort of giddy excitement about oh you're going to have a little baby and we're going to help so much and it can't be that it just can't because it, out the other side it is different um because people are busy they have their own lives they have their own children um they have their own um issues to deal with and you know life problems that come up um and i i was naive i was naive there for sure i definitely got a bit of a a bit of a shock if i'm honest yeah i think it's everyone gets very excited it's yeah. like any new little one coming into yeah. the family isn't it whether however that may be and everyone's there at the start mm. in the nicest way um and it's interesting because whenever friends or you know people have had babies i'm a bit like yeah i'll just wait a little yeah. bit because they're not going to need yeah. it now but in a few weeks yeah. time is when and in a few months yeah. time when it's really kicked in and i think it is everyone kind of goes yeah no problem and we've all been guilty of it it's Absolutely. like yeah we'll do this yeah. and we'll do that and it's and i think from any parent perspective if you see that there might yeah. be a moment where someone's going to take your yeah. child for a couple of hours every week you're going to cling to that because that's yeah. and then if it doesn't happen it makes it really hard it is it's very it's very hard um you know my family are lovely people you know but my dad lives in wales he's miles away and covid was happening um you know my brothers have got things of their own um you know my 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 most wonderful support is my we call her keggy my daughter calls her keggy she's called kelly but she calls her keggy that's her name forever now um and she has my daughter every Tuesday. You know, the saddest thing's going to be when she's old enough to go to nurse. Well, she's old enough to go to nurse, but when she goes to school and she can't have a keggy day because every Tuesday's keggy day. You Aww. know, and not just Tuesday. Like, if I phoned up before, like, crying my eyes out, keggy just drives over. You know, and it's it's amazing. She's been she's been unbelievable and, and deserves you know mention. She's like much so. So not every you need a Vicky, you need a Keggy as well. Yeah. By the sounds of it, everyone needs a Keggy. Yeah, she's she's amazing. Um, and thank goodness I have had her. Quite honestly, thank I, I don't know. I honestly don't know what I'd have done. Oh, uh, that's lovely. 
Because the thing is, when when you adopt, you know, you're bringing a big baby or a child home, and when you have your baby, you know, when you give birth to a baby, you bring a, a tiny little baby home, and I'd almost again say to people like, treat your treat the people who are adopting as if they've just had a newborn, because the nights are hell. They were, they were hard. Um, she went through what, what I now know is called the five month delayed trauma. So I'd, she'd been with me five months and she woke up every night for four hours solidly screaming. Um, and that was like the hardest thing I've ever been through. I just didn't want to be alone, but I was alone and, and, and there was no, you know, there's no choice. and and. The hardest thing is asking for help at that point. Um, so again, the advice would be: don't wait to be asked for help. <laughs> Do it. Bolch in. Get in there and just help. Make a meal. Sit with your friend or anything like that. Um, you know. And I, I had a few friends come round at, at that point because I was absolutely broken. Um, but yes, she wasn't a newborn. And I'm not saying that a toddler sleep compares to a newborn, but this trauma was hard. It was hard. But um, sleep deprivation is sleep deprivation yeah, regardless. Yeah, that's it. That's it, yeah. And, and actually, you know, having any child who's going through anything, you know, illness, whether it's, you know, any of those sorts of things, if it's affecting your sleep and their yeah. sleep, ultimately it affects all day it affects week on week because actually your coping strategies go out of the window because you're just on survival mode totally yeah and i yeah it is those kind of those moments of just going it's okay i'll you know i'll come over or it's just having someone else there isn't it oh totally just... just just having someone else there my brother was staying over um he stayed over a few weekends actually and at one point i woke him up at 3 a.m and just said I just need you to get dressed and come and sit with me. Please, can you just come and sit with me? And he said, what can I do? And I said, nothing. don't need you to do anything. Can you just sit with me? Like, be there there as a human next to me? Because I knew he couldn't do anything. I knew it was me who had to and could do something. And he, that night, went, he was like, oh, my God. Oh, my God, how long has that been going on? That's like... (laughs) <laughs> you know and and uh, he he sort of saw and he stayed over a little bit more then he was lovely and, and of course you know we both know my friend Susie who I was picking her brains for <laughs> any sleep tips yeah. um, and she was fantastic you know she, she's great in her words she's like just try this for three days just try it for three days you know, because, I, you know, when you're desperate and you try something for one day, you're like, it hasn't worked. You know, she was like, just try it for a few days, three days. And I would, and it would yeah. improve. And, and I was utterly grateful for that. Utterly I think having a, having a person, just that emotional support, very much, again, like you said, mm-hmm. you know, that solo per- parenting, yeah. your husband might not do anything, but you yeah. have got somebody there that is just yeah. a person, a another person, person that yeah. you can share the experience with yeah. even. A glance in their eye going, oh, yeah. my God, you know, that's This is horrific, it, yeah. You know, or both looking tired in the morning or, yeah. you know. Exactly. Yeah. But someone to get up and make totally. that coffee. Yeah, 
oh, and it not yeah. someone else to do those sorts of things, make yeah. breakfast, it, yeah. all those things, put a load of washing on, whatever it is, yeah. it's just yeah. a huge amount, isn't it? Did you, and again, I think lots of people when they talk about, whenever I've heard them talk about adoption, people kind of assume that you would kind of go for a baby, yeah. like choose the baby side of things. Yeah. Is that where you, you know, how did you make a decision or do they match you? So you, you can, you can either say, you know, roughly this age and I don't, I don't mind, you know, the, the sex of the child and, but you are also allowed to choose the sex of the child if you think you absolutely are adamant and you know, and I knew I wanted a girl, um, there's an element of guilt with every decision you make when it comes to adoption. Um, but um, I knew I wanted a girl. And I'd sort of roughly said sort of age one to three, there's sort of little brackets or not to three or one to three. Um, I was petrified the thought of having a newborn, I've got to be honest. You know, hats off to all those mums who do it solo and they are donor mums and they get pregnant and they have a newborn. Like, I don't know how they do it by themselves. I was petrified of that. So... You know, my ideal, as it were, would have been sort of one to three. Um, and it's very unusual, I think, to get a tiny baby in adoption because the process when they're taken away from a parent is, you know, months and months uh, long. So, you know, eight, nine, ten months is probably, you know, even nine, ten months is, is you know, probably the youngest, unless it potentially is a second child who's getting taken away and, and and they've been taken away from birth and you've been approved and you've had a sibling. So, you know, lots of factors involved there. Um, so once you, you know, you're approved for adoption, it's probably the best way to answer your question. Once you're approved for, for adoption, there's sort of two ways of matching. And one of them is the social workers, you know, they have meetings, constant meetings. My goodness, do they work hard. Um, and they know you and they know your profile, you know, and there's these children, you know, their cards in the meeting too. And people say, well, you know, we've got Vicky, she's a solo mum. And for me, what they would then, I think, try and match is, because it wouldn't necessarily then make sense to match me with a child who's been in a foster, uh, foster carer's home where there's four other children, a dog running around, a, a man and a woman, a mum and a dad. Um to then go to solely just to me by myself. So um, I was always waiting for a situation to come up where a child had been potentially one-on-one with a foster carer um, for, for some reason. Um, so that's the, that's the first way of, of matching. The social worker will email you little profiles, you know, really securely done. The second option is a, a website where it holds all of the children's profiles who are available now to be adopted, very close to being adopted. And you can be very honest about what you can and can't accept into your life. And it's excruciatingly painful. And and like I say, the guilt you feel when you say that you potentially can't take on a child who, you know, has to have regular hospital appointments and has to, another child who has certain illnesses or um, it's, you can imagine all of the things. And when I tell you a lot of the children, there's, there's something um, 
that's the accuracy of you know what what adoption is but you have to be realistic because you are not trying to be a hero you are on your path to becoming a parent very emotional path at this point um so i had a look on that and i you know the children are people express interest in the children very quickly you know their pictures can be up and then they can be down because someone's expressed interest and social worker thinks yes this could work so you know you're sort of up against other people a lot of the time very very strange very strange really is you know even talking about it very very strange and um I was lucky I got an email with my daughter's profile and you know she wasn't available to adopt yet but they thought she would be so I said, yes, you know, I, I would like to show interest in this little profile. You don't know anything at that point. You don't know what they look like, anything. It's just a, you know, paragraph of description in, in her case. And then they came back to me months later and said, you know, the little one that we were talking about, she's now definitely available. Are you still interested? And I was like, yeah. Wow. And you don't, I didn't, I didn't have the trust at this point that that might happen. You know, there's too much lying on it. See, so I kept level headed, but then it sort of moved forward. And then the first time I met her because of COVID was on her laptop, like on a Zoom <laughs> call. And she wasn't meant to be on the call, but the foster carer um, was chatting and there's this little moan in the background and that was it. She picked her up and, like that was the first time I met my daughter. It was unbelievable, like the best moment ever. But still cautious, you know. Eighty percent of my body is still cautious. Twenty percent is like excited. I'm trying to crush that excitement because you just don't know what could happen. Um, and then I had meetings with family finders and social workers and there were three different meetings going on and they chose me to move forward and that was amazing but still trying to crush my excitement. <laughs> Don't get too excited yet. And then and then, you know, weeks we're talking this is all over weeks. I I get a date that I'm gonna meet her and I go and I go and meet her for the first time. She was asleep and I saw her little face and then she woke up and I made sure I was there like the second she woke up and she saw me. And she was full of smiles. And honestly, ever since that day, it's just been like... Oh, it's meant to be. The best, yeah. And, you know, and I know I've talked a lot about, not the negatives, but the hard bits, the emotional bits, the reality and the truth. Because you have to, because you can't just say, oh, adoption is so lovely and flowery and rainbows. And because it's not that, that, but there is so much wonder to it. Like, it's a magical process, truly. It is a magical, special, amazing process. And I feel really lucky to have gone through it and and ended up with this little, you know, amazing little girl who's crazy and nuts and <laughs> bonkers. And, but it was totally meant to be, totally meant to be, yeah. So what kind of things, I mean, obviously... You know, people have said things to you, I'm sure, which are absolutely, you know, great and supportive about adoption. But I imagine that there's some things that people have said to you which are quite challenging as well. You know, albeit that I'm sure they don't mean to say these things. But, you know, I said to Claire before we started this podcast, I really don't want to ask 
a question which is insensitive and I think you know and I know that's silly to to overthink things but you know sometimes people do say things don't they without thinking oh definitely but I think you know the difference is is you know that there are some people who are like you know I hope that's not an insensitive thing to ask and no matter what they say then you know that they're very aware Mm. They don't want to, you know, cross a line or anything. And but then you've got the people who just downright don't care. Um, it, but that is, it's very interesting <laughs> to hear their questions. Um, the two reactions is one I often talk about. So I'll tell you, I'll tell you about those. It's quite interesting. So, you know, I try to be really open with adoption. And a few of my friends have sort of said, you know, you don't have to tell everyone you meet. And I and I certainly don't tell everyone I meet. But if there is an opportunity to talk about the way I had my daughter, I had my daughter. I don't want it to be a dirty secret. The, the, my goal isn't to make it so my, our lives merge into one that no one would ever realise. You know, because it's, again, not a dirty secret. And, and, and I think that's probably the years of how adoption used to be. And, and how it's definitely changing. Um, and it's her story, don't get me wrong. It's very much her story. And when she's at a different age, you no, know, it will be her story to tell. And I'll let her jump in if she wants to, because she will be aware of, her, of our story, obviously age-appropriately aware. But I don't think I should have to keep quiet. Maybe I'm wrong. I don't think I should have to pretend or have it on the tip of my tongue and be proud of it. I, I don't think... You know, when someone says, God, I wouldn't have even known that, that she was adopted. I always try and get my head around that bit and think, I don't really know what, I don't know how to digest that sentence. You know, mm. I don't know. Well, you mm. wouldn't, would you? Why would you? No, that's an interesting one. It's not It's not a, a judgment on what, when people say it. It's just an interesting sentence to say, I think. So um, other people, when I say this, so the two reactions, sorry, the two reactions are, so actually, you know, I, I, uh, I adopted my daughter, you know, a, a while back. And some people say, wow, that's really interesting. Well, that's, I'd love to ask a couple of questions about that. That's, that's, you know, good on you. Wow, that's nice. And then other people kind of freeze and their heads and their eyes look like they're going to pop out their head. And it's almost like they're trying to sort of hide in a cupboard and they just don't know how to react. And it's so interesting. <laughs> Mm. and they're the set two reactions and I'm not judging and, and then I often put my hand on the door it's okay it's all fine it's a great thing and I'll sort of make sure they're okay because <laughs> like, they've gone all funny and I'm not quite sure um why because I just don't know what to say maybe I'm not sure it's the way that people react isn't it you just go yeah. I think it's a human reactions are such an interesting one because I've worked with families who have gone through surrogacy and when you talk about people go, oh, well, how does that work? You know, I, I don't understand surrogacy. And, does it, and it's like, well, I'm more than happy to answer yeah, those questions. Yeah. Obviously not specific about the family. But sometimes I think it's because people don't have an understanding of it. They back off of totally. it. Because it's, it's in a way just... I don't even know where to start. And they start. don't want to offend, so they don't say anything. And I and I have, I, I totally yeah. respect that. And that's kind of why I end up comforting them and saying, it's okay, it's fine. Like, it's, you know, it's not, it's not a bad thing. I'm okay. Like, you know, and I, I try and comfort yeah. them. It's, it's just quite interesting. Um, but it does also go to show, mm. you know, 
that's how I, I'm happy to react. Other people might not want to say a word about it. They might want it not to ever be spoken about. And that's fine too. That's their way. Are you given advice when you go through the process of how to talk to the child as they get older? Is it something that they say that a child should know about right from the start? Or is it something very much personal to the family? Yeah, there's, there's been a lot of studies, actually. And there's a lot of books out there Um there's a, a couple actually who, um, where the contributors for the book are the children who are now adults and they're talking about their experiences. So that along with the studies basically show that the, the, the best thing you can do is talk about it age appropriately from day one. You know, obviously, you know, my daughter's a toddler, so there's certain things we touch mm-hmm. on. We, we touch on certain sentences. So I know that they're sort of imprinted in their head so they won't be a shock. And then each sort of year or six months, I'll add to that story and I'll show more pictures. Um, you are created, but I chose to create, so I'm quite controlling like that, um, a life story book which shows your child's whole past from day one um, and lots of photographs and information um, on their past before, you know, before they met mummy or, or whoever they met. Um and that's a fantastic tool. But obviously it takes mm-hmm. long for social workers to have, who have to make these. So, like I say, I sort of stepped in and made this fantastic, beautiful books on mixed books. And, you know, it's spot on and I love it. And I'm like, yeah, I feel comfortable. This is going to be with us for the next, you know, 15, 20 years, really. And it's going to be the biggest tool that we have. And it will come out and it will be available at all times. And it will be the book she shows mm-hmm. my friends when they walk in or, in, a, in you know, like throws around or, you know, it, it will be part of our life. It's like the third person in our house. That mm-hmm. book is, is mega important for us. Um, and that's that's a great that's a great tool. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we haven't talked about parental judgment. And I think that's just one kind of almost a final question ish from mm-hmm. us. We might have one more after that. But um, yeah. as I know, as a parent judgment is massive and every time we do a podcast um like we were saying to you before we started recording it seems like everything (laughs) comes down to parental judgment so obviously as a parent everybody experiences judgment and I'm sure you have as well but do you find that it's different in any way because you've adopted it's a hard one to say because I don't I don't know if it's different because I haven't experienced it the other way however I mean, it's not judgment, but we, I remember when I was sort of a few days before my daughter was coming home with me, you know, the the comments of enjoy your sleep while you can started. And I just thought, wow, who says that stuff? Like, really? Oh, yeah. How is they that useful? Do. I'm just about to do the biggest thing in my whole entire life. And you think that's useful? Rather than writing, if you need anything, I'm here. Or, you know, I've sent you something for next week. They want to write that. Like, wow. Okay. Thanks. Yeah. Um, I was shocked that that actually happened. You know, you hear of that happening. I didn't think any of my friends would actually say it, but they did. Several. Um, so that that wasn't judgment necessarily. But, yeah. Um, the, <laughs> moving on to the judgment. Um, I, listen, realistically, 60, 70% of the time, try and practice gentle parenting, therapeutic parenting. I've looked into it. I love it. It's fantastic. I'm not perfect at it. Um, 
but I totally believe in it. I really, really do. I, I love it. I love reading about it still. I still listen to the books over and over again, the audio books, not because I'm obsessed with my child, well, I kind of am because she's my child, but, you know, but because I want to do it right, and, and especially with the adoption side of things, I want to do it right. My daughter, although there was nothing sinister, has been through trauma. And yes, as people point out, oh, she was only little, she won't remember it. Right, lovely. It's in her. (laughs) I know it is because I'm the one who's done the research and read about it for two years. It's in her, that trauma's in her, because the trauma, at minimum, is she was taken away from her birth parent, and then she was taken away from her foster parent. And then she was with me. So I will do anything to make her a happy, solid, secure little human. And if that means not parenting in the same way as other people might around me, I'm happy to be judged. Bring it on, like, judge me as much as you like. That is such a brilliant answer. I love that. (laughs) I actually need that in my head to go, yeah, this is what you need to say. Because you're right. Who's anybody to judge? Your focus is your child. and Yeah. If it means, like, as other people would say, things like, um, if it means letting her win, I'll let her win. (laughs) It's not letting her win. It's nothing to do with it, by the way. But if that's how it's described in old-fashioned terms, then... Once you go down that route of winning, you're talking about a lack of... You're talking about an adult having power, which we we hold them and we hold boundaries for them and we hold respect with them. But once we go down this whole, well, I won, it becomes quite an unhealthy relationship because... Even if you, you know, even if you're in a relationship with another adult, if you look at it that I won that, I won that argument, it it's like actually that isn't particularly healthy. It's actually we we worked that out. It it wasn't great, but we've worked it yeah. out and we've got to a place where we, you know, neither of us won. Yeah. We just, you know, yeah. And I think totally. again, we were sort of saying that through going through the adoption process, in a way you have had, you know, advice with regards to what to read and things probably widened your kind of understanding of what's out there in the parenting world in comparison to probably a lot of parents who go through having children without support and maybe have their kind of um, classes before they have the baby all talking about giving birth and then it stops. And I think actually... A a lovely part of the adoption side of things is actually you have the parenting aspect and that, you know, those advice on books or things that you might want to read and things that to actually help you for the longest part of being a parent, which is once they're born. Yeah. (laughs) That kind of, you know, that's that's a bit that seems to be missing for a lot of people. So in a way, you're kind of even the way you're talking about what you've read and what you, you know, it's like, oh my goodness, that's amazing. Just having that knowledge around that is great. Yeah. And, and I don't get it right all the time. And listen, I flip my lid like any parent does, you know, like my daughter laughs at me sometimes because you, you know, when you're at full capacity and you're about to explode, 
I managed to somehow, at the same time as smiling, just make this ah sound and she just starts laughing and it just breaks the whole atmosphere of like craziness um and then I'll laugh and she'll laugh and we're like okay that's over just needed that little noise you know I'm sure that's in no therapeutic parenting book but she just starts suddenly screaming you know but but you know the majority of the time I like to try and practice it there is definitely judgment around it there's there's been you know straight down judgment on the fact that I don't want to leave her for four nights to go on a holiday even in a, in you know six months or a year um I don't want to I don't want her to be at home and potentially be confused or there'll be a risk of her being confused um and there was there was a lot of judgment around that for me when I, I was really upset about it actually because that's my decision um and there's no wrong or right. And you know what? If I don't want to leave her until she's eight, I won't leave her till she's eight. Um, I've left her so far for, a, you know, a two nights max. And I'm happy with that. I don't want to leave her next year for four nights. I'm happy with that. Doesn't deserve any judgment. Mm-hmm. Um, and the situation is different. But I know a lot of mums, birth mums. Be the same. I don't mm-hmm. want yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I don't think there's a wrong right. Um, so th- there's definitely been judgment on that. Um, has there been judgment on anything else? I think someone just said to me not long ago, oh, because you parent a bit differently. And I thought, do I? Or do you? Do I parent differently or do you parent differently? Why is it me who's parent differently? But do you think they think you parent dif- differently in a, you know, kind of, I don't think you do. I think you parent how you naturally would parent but do you think people look at it because you have adopted they think you're going to parent differently totally because yeah. actually and if it's, anyone it links to yeah the if anyone saw me I don't think they'd for a second think oh that's a different kind of parent I don't think it I think it's absolutely fine you know again sort of before we started the one thing I know I do do is when she's you know having a tantrum <laughs> probably does look a bit funny and she's really angry and I'll be standing there and one thing in adoption we learned was you know squeeze their arm and it can help bring their cortisol levels down um so I'll stand there and I'll recognize the feeling and I'll say you're feeling really angry and at the same time I'll be squeezing <laughs> their arm and I mean if anyone walked by and saw it they'd be thinking what should you do it? But I tell you what, it works. I tell Although you, I, works I'm kind of thinking cool. this is a top tip. You know, yeah. this is a takeaway. Like... Absolutely. And the other thing, you know, that a lot of people don't know is that when you are an adopted child, and I'm going to get all the words wrong, but you know, that little part of your brain has already gone through mass trauma. I don't care if they're too young to remember it. I don't care what you can see and what you can't see. Of course she looks like a normal little girl running around, whatever. It's already gone through so much stress and trauma. And I am not willing to let her have a tantrum in the corner where I leave her for some her time or whatever and let her go through that stress. I'm not willing to do that. She can have no time out. She has time in. I sit there next to her and I will be with her and she knows I'm not going anywhere. And all of that is probably subconscious. But to me and the really clever psychologists out there all over the world, we know how important that is. (laughs) I know I sound a bit 
you know, but, but it, it's, you know, it shouldn't have to be explained. Yeah, and I think it's, you know, what Tippy went through or any child who's adopted or fostered, yes, they very much tend, you know, they will have had kind of attachment to people and that attachment will have changed or, you know, they've had some, they've had a lot go on yeah. in very early years of their life. But it's all the things you're saying about regulating time in, all those things, that's irrelevant to yeah. any situation. That's just being great at kind of regulating a child who's a bit dysregulated, whether that's because they're having a bit of a tantrum over a toy they want or whether it's over the fact that they are just feeling really yeah. anxious because they're in a new environment and not sure what Overwhelmed to expect. Or, and yeah, so, all these things it could be. Yeah, yeah. And, and so it's the same as us, isn't it? If, if we're feeling overwhelmed, if we are feeling a bit dysregulated, yeah. if someone said, right, actually, you're, you're just a bit, you know, you're a bit OTT yeah. at the moment, you're just having a bit of a moment, I'm just going to leave yeah. you, come find me when you're ready. It's like, wow. Whereas actually what you do is sit with that person and go, this is really tough. Like, yeah. we'll work it out. And totally. then a bit later on, you might say, gosh, that was a lot. But yeah. we're there. We're out of it. But we don't leave other humans. Well, we hope not to leave other humans. And no. so, and if you're in your height of anger and I shout, calm down, we all know that's not going to make someone calm down. And and, and that was, right. the you know, the, the brilliant thing that sort of learning and reading about all these lovely ways of parenting, you know, it was the examples that they then, as you said, sort of compared to when you're you're dealing with an adult, you know, in a, with our mature, supposedly mature minds, mm-hmm. you know, and then their little totally immature, undeveloped minds. You you've got to yeah. It's it's an interesting. One. We expect a lot from our children. Yeah, we do a huge amount. So, so I think we've probably got one last question. Maybe. And that is, you know, if someone was thinking of going through the adoption process, what advice would you give them? Do you think I've put them off? <laughs> no. Good, I, good. No, I don't think. Good. No. Not at all. I think it's real, though. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it is that re- realisation and, you know, having children, however you have children, whether that's through, you know, whatever route you take, having children's hard work yeah and actually you need to be really prepared for it and I think definitely this and and this process isn't an easy process as you say yeah but actually there's a huge amount of that I think from listening to you that comes out of it that's like wow actually it's it's quite a nice lead into parenting yeah in some aspects because it makes you really go through a process of thinking about yourself preparing for what could be coming and it's yeah it's yeah it's very personal isn't it to different people but I don't think you've put people off good I would say to someone who is thinking about it I think there are a lot of people who think about it and then not sure about the next steps I would google like mad where your next adoption local adoption meeting is or sort of open evening, as it were. Um, book it on. There is nothing you have to lose. You, nothing at all. It's an hour or two of your week. And see how you feel afterwards. Um, it takes 
a strong character to go through the process, but that is the whole point. You get given the responsibility of a another human. So, you know, you have to be a strong character uh, in order to do that. And, you know, you're going to have, you know, challenges ahead, but the good is just the best the magic honestly I keep saying the word magic but the magic is truly there it is so special it really really is that's yeah. incredible thank you, thank you. It's so, yeah it's amazing I thank think you. you know it's one of those things that doesn't get talked about enough yeah, in the right and I think that point you made earlier of what people remember from years ago mm to what it is now like the whole thing is very very different mm. and I think that's a really key part to think about isn't Definitely. it because it's not something that's you know got any kind of negative no. to it no. as such it's it's a positive that those children get to live a life with a family and yeah not in care mm. I think is probably from my perspective huge yeah. Well, and I think what you're doing, Vicky, about talking about it so openly, it is kind of changing the narrative on it. You know, every the way people think about it, the way people and the way people talk about soul parenting. You know, that's yeah. been such an interesting one for me. So, really? um, yeah. yeah. Oh, definitely. Because I don't think I ever thought about it like that. But, no, you no, know, I didn't. That's no. the thing. I, I describe myself as a single parent for the first, yeah. however many months or even a year, mm -hmm. maybe. Yeah. But, you know, we're coming across more and more soul parents. And oh. now I'm thinking about it in a completely different way. Yeah, it's yeah. really interesting. So, and, and honestly, yeah, yeah the, the, you know, if you know a solo parent, anyone, just make him a cup of tea. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Cup of tea solves everything Definitely. if you're having a bad day. Thanks ever so much, Vicky. Really been such an interesting chat and yeah, really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thank guys. You. You're the best. That's everything for today. Thanks for listening. If there's something you'd like us to talk about, we'd love you to get in touch and let us know. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at Bespoke Family or head to our website. The links are in our show notes. Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss the next episode and please give us a rating or review if you like what you hear. We're Bex and Claire and we'll be back soon with another episode of Newborn to Team and everything in between. See you then.